event organizers. Get ready to level up. To level up. You're listening to the Event Academy Live podcast, where we elevate motivated event organizers. This podcast is brought to you by Fusion. All the event ticketing features and support you need for one low price. Check them out at GetFusionSolutions.com. Now, it's time for your host, Jake Spurley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Event Academy Live, the podcast. I have a super special guest joining me today, Michelle Nicole McNabb. She is the guru in all things related to sponsors, exhibitors, and the business stakeholder side of the industry. Something that I think a lot of event organizers need to hear from. We need to hear from what our stakeholders actually care about. What do they want to see and what do us as event organizers need to do to make them successful at our shows? Without them, our shows don't happen. And when we start focusing on our goals together as one, it's so much easier to get where we want to be together, not separately. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm excited to have this conversation. First off, anything about events, but then specifically when we start talking about the stakeholders and all participants, that's definitely where I get extremely passionate. So I'm excited to see where our conversation goes. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners that don't know you, I guess kind of give a little rundown on who is Michelle, what do you do and kind of what's your, what's your uh, claim to fame, I guess. Well, to sum it up, I knew way back in high school that I wanted to get into the event industry. Fast forward 15 years, I'm here in the event industry, but the trajectory, really, what I knew back then was logistics and who needs to be where and when, what needs to be where, how does it get there, the true task-driven, goal-oriented social events, weddings, and the really why people like events, whereas when I got into corporate and now running my own agency here is why do businesses use events? And so I graduated from Penn State and rather than go on your trajectory of hospitality and I know I didn't want to work at a venue or general management. um, So I ended up in corporate and really that was my pivotal moment as to not only why us as people like events, but how can we leverage events for business and why do we travel for business, for meetings, for events. And that really helped me to take what I knew about the event industry and logistics, but then we start talking about, well, why strategy metrics, um, you know, the connection beyond people, but really as business and why do we continue to use events as a medium, no different than digital or paid advertising. If we're using events for business, how can we make the most out of that and really bridge that gap between not only our attendees, but also the contributors so that we keep coming back. And the more that I can advocate for the event industry, the more that we're going to allocate into the event industry, whether it be online, virtual, hybrid, whatever that format be, if we can continue to see that success and help those contributors, that's where I, I advocate for. And I think one thing that's so interesting that I want the audience to know is that we get a lot of, you know, agencies that are trying to orchestrate events or, you know, their sponsorship consults, whatever it is. Michelle's like sole focus is like, hey, how can I take business A, 
that is attending this show and make the show the most profitable for them so they see the best ROI out of attending those events. I think that is so critical and it's a big miss. And that was one of the things that attracted me um, to start like, engaging your content on LinkedIn. If you don't follow her on LinkedIn, you should definitely do that. But it's just like a whole untapped world that we don't even think about, right? Like we have thousands and thousands of stakeholders that attend shows, you know, regardless of where they're at. And they literally have no help. They're like, yes, we have our own internal team to go do this. Hopefully they're good. Have no idea. Let's go find out. And you know, some are great. Some just lack the experience. And that's where Michelle comes in. So I guess from the event organizer side, I'm sure you've seen lots of events do things really, really well. Lots of things do, lots of events do things really, really poorly as far as managing their exhibitors, managing kind of the sponsorship activations, you know, the checklist, all that sort of stuff. You have this thing called the seven C's. Talk me kind of through that. Let's go through that. And then maybe we can tap into, hey, event organizers, this is what I see. And here's what we need to be doing to be better. Okay. Yeah. I would love to share the seven C's of event ROI. And to preface this, I also want to iterate that I do work alongside with organizers. It's just my heart, my passion is to also assist not only the host. So I I often say you don't have to be the host to reap the benefits of events. So I want to come at this with understanding that I also do either produce events, create the run of shows. I have that understanding on that side of the table. It's also bringing to light. And if I never produce another show again, or work with the organizer again in the capacity of running the event, if that means that I can support them on their contributor side and their sponsors, and I call it conference concierge, I would be happy to to stay in that role. So I just want to preface that as we move further into our conversation, talk about the seven C's, because you can use the seven C's regardless if you are the host, if you are a sponsor, an exhibitor, whoever that may be. So I know that this is a podcast, but I do have it here for our video clips as well. Uh, Definitely reach out to me, whether it be on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm more than happy to share these. I talk about it often, um, so I'm not gating this content in any way. Uh, So I talk about the seven C's as far as cash flow, community connection, creating buzz and campaigns, credibility and building that reputation, customer journey and that experience, the contributors and sponsors getting the most out of that and collaborations out of those contributors and then convert into conversation. So those are the seven C's. And what I find best when I have conversations is each of your different contributors may rank them differently. So what is most important? And if they could rank the top three, how can we create activations and make sure that we're actually reaching those objectives to accommodate and and get them where they want to be. Now, on the host side, what happens is their seven C's and their priorities of throwing that event in the first place, hosting the event, may be different. So starting with those objectives of creating what's important and then finding that alignment. And I think that that's also where some of the disconnect happens between the organizers and the hosts and then the tensions of why the contributors, so your sponsors, exhibitors, vendors, speakers are contributing to the event, and then also your attendees. So it it looks like I have this on my website, almost like a triangle where you have the organizer putting on the show and creating those objectives and what are their seven C's. Then you have the contributors and you have the 
the attendees? And how can you align and you as the organizer paint the picture of not only that you understand and you're having the conversations of what is important to those contributors and your attendees, but how can you bridge that gap and make that alignment through activation, through that experience and really understanding what what is most important. And to segue is to stay aligned with why you're hosting that event, but the format and intention and really bringing on the right contributors that are also in alignment. I want to stop you there. Yeah. The, I really want to make sure organizers pick up on this. Isn't And what Michelle said was basically you have, your show needs to be aligned with the exhibitors you're bringing in as well. And I, I've personally seen far too many times where, which I get it, you have empty booth space and you want to fill it, right? Empty floor space, empty dollars. Totally understand. But if you're bringing in exhibitors that don't align with your show's goals and like the purpose of the show, you're not only setting yourself up for failure, you're also setting the exhibitor and the stakeholder up for failure. Sure, they might come one year, but they're probably not going to come back again. So they just burn dollars and that, you know, they could have spent elsewhere. You didn't put your best foot forward as the organizer, kind of conning them into coming to the show in some regard. And, you know, on the exhibitor side, they're like, wow, I'm literally never coming back here. And they might go tell their other business friends like, hey, this show wasn't worth it for us. Don't recommend. And I think it's so important. Like not every exhibitor, even in like your own niche, maybe it's like maybe running a food and beverage expo or something like that. Not every restaurant or beverage company is like perfect for your show. And I know we all want to sell booth space. Like I totally get it, but you have to find those right exhibitors or stakeholders that like perfectly align with what you're trying to accomplish at your event. I think that's so important. And I just want to touch down on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. With that is when I work with these potential exhibitors, sponsors, the very first thing that we look at is, well, what's the format of the event? And what's the intention? Because on the flip side, you know, if organizers are seeking sponsorship and seeking exhibitors on the flip side, I'm having these conversations to actually vet through the type of events that they want to go to. So when I work with clients that really want qualified meetings and accelerate that customer journey and the client acquisition, I really like host a buyer and reverse trade show meetings because what they really are looking for are hosts that are really playing that matchmaker in a way that aligns with them versus I have those same clientele. They're not interested. They don't do well doing a presentation. They, they don't want to, you know, create a two hour workshop in order to get in front of the right people. On the other hand, that works extremely well for some of my other clients because they're exchanging information and they can put themselves as that thought leader or build their credibility through, you know, a, a workshop of some sort, very interactive. And so then I have some clients that they prefer some sort of fireside chat or a panel discussion because they can be a part of the conversation, but they don't want to lead in a one person presentation main stage, right? So it's really finding that alignment and not just saying, well, we have, you know, 
only these main stage speaking opportunities or we have workshops or, you know, oh, you just get a booth. So when I'm working with my clientele to help vet through, looking at the agenda, how many hours of trade show time do they have? How many types of uh, workshops or sessions? Because they may not be there for the exchange of information, but instead the exchange of um, networking and prospecting. And that's the truth. Whereas some brands want to get their name out there and create an experience and they are willing and able to put an activation and interactive experience that connects those customers and that brand. So really understanding why they're going. And you mentioned something too that I really want to emphasize is your contributors can be some of the loudest influencers in your industry. So as much as we should care about our customer journey, right? And the ticket holders and the attendees, those contributors are consumers as well. And they can be some of the loudest influence in that industry. And I think something else you just, you spoke on is the kind of like the, the why behind it and what do you get? You, you made, you made a comment there of, do they just get a booth space? And it's like, for most shows, it's like, yeah, you get a 10 by 10. See you later. You know, go to separate booth. It's like, okay, cool. You know, like that works for some folks. That works for some shows. That's great. But especially on the sponsorship side of this, it's like, oh my gosh, I post this all the time on my LinkedIn of if your sponsorship like um, package is gold, silver, bronze, or anything that's set in stone, like you might as well just not even do it. I mean, really, like you're not even doing it right. So why do it at all? Um, and what Michelle is trying to say here too is like, if you're trying to sell a sponsorship coming from the organizer side, why give them a canned like? Hey, this is what it is. I don't really care if that fits your goals, sponsors. That's what fits my agenda. And it's, you know, this much money. So you either buy it or leave it. And coming from the sponsorship side and just the mindset of, we have no set agenda here coming from the event organizer sponsor. What are your goals, right? Once I, the event can understand what your goals are, we can then work together to not only accomplish those goals, but then accomplish kind of our sponsorship goal monetarily or whatever that looks like. So we can both win. I get my monetary satisfaction, the event organizer, you, the sponsor get to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish at my show that align with what your business goals are. Right. And everybody walks away much happier And I feel like so many people in our industry talk about, Oh my gosh, can sponsorships are like the death of everything. But yet you look around and it's still happening. Like people are, so, and I don't know, why do you think that is, Michelle? Do you think it's just like pure laziness? Do you think people don't know? Like, I'm genuinely curious because this topic absolutely fires me up. Yeah, we we have had this conversation. I know you and I, you know, in the green rooms and, you know, off screen here. It is something that I always say it's good to have some understanding and buckets, but really if you put a menu together and if you're the organizer side, really plan your event, design that event. Ideally, you have some of those surveys going out. You're having the conversations, not only on the ticket holder side, but with your contributors, but then putting together your event. It is your event. You are designing that event, but then picking out what opportunities can be activations and how can you incorporate those sponsors and the exhibitors throughout the show. And then even if you have packages kind of behind the scenes, right? And, and what you think may look best to have the conversation. Um, in all honesty, I think that there's this balance of making 
the decision easy because if you have those packages and those decision makers, they can just say, yep, I want that package, but use them as guidelines. And so a great way to do this is look at past events that you've done, or if you are a new, you know, organizer, what are some ideal ways to showcase and paint the picture, but then always have that open-ended conversation to say, hey, these are some of the activations in your to reach those seven C's that you're looking for. This is how I believe that our event that we're designing aligns with what your goals and objectives are. And here are some of the the ways that we can do that and have that open conversation. And you you do need to paint that picture between what needs to get done and what the sponsor's objectives are. So what are the deliverables to create that package? So I do think behind the scenes as you're planning out, have the conversations as a team so that you can come back with those suggested packages. Like ultimately it will be a package, but to actually walk them through that journey of, hey, great, this is what we heard, this is what you're looking for, and these are the ways, these are the deliverables, how we're going to get your brand recognition, how we're going to align with who you're looking to connect with um, and create that package. But as you're actually having those conversations, really listen to you know what it is that they're looking for rather than just saying, well, this is what we've always done. This is oh gosh, this is what we've always done. How many times have you heard that? That is yeah. like the, the line that drives me, drives me crazy. It's like, well, I've always done it this way. So eh, sounds good enough. And it's like, <laughs> and it, the other thing to go back to what you said, Michelle was you don't have to scrap the package, like the canned stuff. It's more just like yeah. your menu. Like you said, right? Like here's, here's everything we have to offer from appetizers to entrees to drinks to dessert. Right. But for you, like it makes no sense for me to offer you this dessert. You're like, you have a peanut allergy. I'm not going to give you peanut butter, I don't know, cheesecake, right? I'm going to offer you everything else that aligns with your business goal in that bit. I think that's crucial. You don't have to ditch the whole menu thing. You just have to have that menu internally and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to offer you. What do you think? Add, subtract. How do we go from there? I think that's super important. I, I want to listen. Oh, and yeah. yeah, just to, to piggyback with that is instead of doing packages, um, you know, the gold, silver, bronze, an exercise that I've helped with not only for organizers, but look at those seven C's and what deliverables can you do that will reach those? So an example here, I know it's a podcast, but I can share this. For instance, if you're looking to connect with the community, then how are you going to meet and greet X amount of those attendees? How are you going to connect and engage directly with those attendees before, during, and after? So the packages kind of off screen, the exercise that we're doing is you're actually putting those deliverables, the activation into this is how we're going to reach your goals. So when you're having the conversations and they say, you know what, the most important thing for us is the customer experience is creating the conversation into, you know, actual conversations, connections, and credibility. Now you have packages and deliverables that you can pick and choose from and say, hey, for credibility, we're actually going to cross promote a case study that you've done with one of your clientele. That's going to build up the credibility and let's showcase that. And so you can 
put these buckets behind the scenes and actually showcase you you shared with me that these are the top three things that you want to reach here are the activations and deliverables that fall within that goal and here's what we're going to do leading up to it we're going to get you on three podcasts or three webinar series that we do to promote the event that's going to get the message out there build out the credibility how does that sound does that sound like it's going to help you reach your goal that you shared to me and so you're putting together your your items that you need to do as an organizer before during and after the event and then matchmaking those with exactly what they have shared with you that's most important i think that is of you you said it you said it perfectly you said it perfectly it's like what do you want okay cool here's what we have to offer great how do we go from there I want to, so we're, we're going to post the link to the seven C's. So you can, if you want to access that, Michelle, will give it to you graciously for free ungated. You don't have to give up your email address and your firstborn child to get it. Um, no. but I want to go into it cause I think how I understand it. I, I've seen this before, but it's been a little while, but I want to go through each of the seven C's of like matchmaking. And then I want to talk about what is a tangible next step that an event organizer could take to attain the goal of matchmaking. If you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So what you want to go through each one? Let's start with uh, credibility. Yes. So, so if, yeah, if you were, if I was like, Hey, I want to just increase my credibility at your show. What would be like a couple things that we could collaboratively do at the event organizer and the stakeholder side to accomplish that? Yeah. Credibility goes with aligning or inviting well who's already going to be there that already knows likes and trusts you and how can we get that message it's a lot easier and you know i always say let me brag about you so you don't have to so how can we find that alignment do you already have a case study can we invite one of your clients or someone to showcase that so rather than a demo or just talking about features, you know, build up that credibility. Um, also the pre-event, I, I definitely believe the credibility and I can give a case study on this is I was working with a client who he's been in his industry for over 25, 30 years. He's gone to the same event, sponsored the same event, uh, for multiple years. And this was prior to COVID, but you know, working with him prior to the event and actually having the white papers and content prior to the event and actually who do we want to meet ahead of time? By the time we got to that conference, he was getting hugs. I was getting hugs. People knew walking <laughs> in and he said, wow, for the first time I'm walking into these rooms and people know who I am already. That's wow. what we're going for. Um, so that, that definitely goes with, uh, pre-enduring, whereas some of the conversions and, you know, client acquisition that's heavily at the event and also in your follow-up. So credibility starts beforehand. Also, um, bringing in your omni-channel. So I talk a lot about on-site events. Of course, especially through COVID, we've definitely brought in the digital and virtual. So bringing in SEO, people will Google you and your company. So what content are we putting on ahead of time prior and how can us as organizers, if we have conferences, we're spending months and months leading into that. So credibility importance, leverage those sponsors, exhibitors heavily leading into the event. Why should we be there? Um, so now that we have to go, we can go through each one. Um, give me another one that you want to dive next into. We have um, community connection, cash flow, creating buzz, um, creating the conversations. 
I think I think a lot of events struggle with kind of the community side of it. I know we're almost we we like to get the pockets between twenty and thirty minutes, so we're trying to we're trying to get like the top things here. Let's I'm gonna pick the community connections, and then the last one I'll let you pick as like the final hoorah. Okay. Uh, community connection definitely depends on target audience. So if you're in the festival world or B to C, right, and creating those engaging activations. And so that's going to be experiential marketing. And that's going to be what part of the event, not just a booth, but what part of the event is going to create togetherness between the businesses and the consumers, but also consumer to consumer. So when I think of a broadcast, I think of a one way communication, right? And that's virtual, but that also happens on site. So if you're just broadcasting your brand one way, that's not a community connection. So how can we create activations that become not only a two-way interaction, so now your audience is engaging back to the businesses and to one another, but then thirdly, this is creme de la creme, is how can we get the audience to engage with the audience together? And that creates authenticity beyond the event because when the audience is then going back and spreading you know to the other audience members before during and after the event so creating that connection and that's going to be experiential marketing something that is really that wow factor um and and so if you have a part of your event whether it be the reception or um you know, some sort of gamification, whether whatever it may be before the event, during the event. And then where do we connect? Where do you continue that conversation may not actually be at the event. It may, it doesn't have to be a 10 by 10 booth, but how can we get that connection? So I want to emphasize, it's not just us broadcasting, you know, one way, but what experiences can we connect that two-way communication? And then ideally really that three-way between the audience and audience members, how can we create those experiences would be the number one way to do that. So creating um, that sort of opportunity and design. I think you're hitting on a very interesting topic. So I think when we think about events, we think about okay, this three-day window, like that's what we focus on. But arguably, 80% of the like the cream and sugar of this is outside of those three days. It's like, right. great, we use the event as a tool to leverage like connections, like whatever networking, but like the best of the best usually happens like outside of it or stemming from that event. And I think right. so often we're like, yes, we have this three-day event. Cool. See you next year. It's like, what are we doing beyond that, right? To like engage that community. Is it, you know, are we doing like monthly meetups? Are we doing like more host webinars with like our sponsors to like keep that community engaged and coming back and talking to each other? I think that's so, so interesting because so many folks just think, oh yeah, we do like an annual event, our annual trade show. Here it is. Goodbye. That's what we think yeah. about. We don't yeah. expand that into like the two-way community going forward or before or even like during in other ways besides just at the event. Uh, very, very interesting. What do you think is the, like, just the easiest way to kind of like start that two way community? If somebody's never even heard of it, brand new, they're like, ah, this seems scary. What would be a good first step for them? 
one is acknowledging that not every event needs to create a community because, and this goes to when I'm working with clientele. Um, and so I, I'm kind of backtracking just to get to my point is my clientele, they want to be part of that community, but your event can be that community. And so they don't necessarily have the time, bandwidth, whatever it may be, to not only join, think about LinkedIn groups or Facebook groups or Slack channels, right? How many do you really have, you know, actively? You may be a part of them, but to be truly involved with that community. Um, so really, number one is to determine, is your event the community? Is your event and what is that frequency? Because take industry events. Industry events, whatever your industry may be, that community may only meet once a year in person, but they're connecting, bridging that gap, let's say on social media, on the channel, and you're creating that. So take your industry event. There are hundreds, dozens, however many industry events, but why do you go back to that particular favorite, the people? And these people are in your industry. They may go to the other events. So just to, I'm going to hone on that. It's your community doesn't have to be a Slack channel. It doesn't have to be another uh, LinkedIn. It could be a podcast. It really could be. There are different forms of community. And so defining what community means to you and your members um, rather than just drinking the Kool-Aid of what other community <laughs> builders. You already are a community builder in that right. sense. So what is the format that most aligns? Because we are busy, especially, you know, events are already a commitment to be there, you know, whether it's time, money, physically or digitally, that's already a commitment. So um, already recognize that events can be that community and then really align with, well, how do you bridge the gap? The event is a part of the destiny. It's a part of the journey. It's not the only destination. Yeah. To, to close out this C, and then we'll go to your final your final hoorah here. Just an uh, interesting thing that I saw recently was it is a, a beer a series of beer festivals, right? And that's mostly you know B two C. There's a little bit of B two B mixed in there, and they I think they were in like three or four a year. And they just came out, I think at the beginning of the year, with a podcast. A beer festival is doing a podcast. And the podcast is like, let's grab a beer. I think that's what it's called. Like, let's grab a beer. And I'm like, that is a genius way to keep your audience engaged. Like, throughout the year, top of mind, hey, I always listen to this, like, let's grab a beer podcast on Mondays. But, like, you keep hearing, like, the name over and over again. This doesn't really go into, like, the uh, community between, like the consumer and like the business, right? But more just like also creating like your event community as well. And like keeping the buzz, like keeping like your event name top of mind. And it's like, who would have thought a beer festival doing a podcast? It works for them. People love it. They tune into it. And like they are staying engaged with kind of that event community and like-minded beer drinkers um, that they might've met at the event. They can talk about a podcast, kind of like a book club, right? Like, hey, did you, did you listen to that podcast, you know, last week? It's like, cool engaging i love it so i just want to give out that like hey here's what i've seen in the real world maybe that sparks resonates with you um if it does great and i think the thing is like just go try something like events are like there are no boundaries just go try different things <laughs> if it doesn't work then like scrap it like i can't even tell you how many things i've tried in the past like two or three months some of them great some of them just like absolute trash. And it's like, cool. Thanks, guys. I tried it. I failed. Cool. Moving on to the next thing. Because we aren't constantly pushing the needle in events. 
you're going to be the quote, we've always done it this way event, and you're going to slowly die. I love saying that because events that don't move the needle, I think they slowly die and they don't know it until they're dead. Um, I post about that a lot on LinkedIn as well. To to finish on that community connection, I think one missed uh, opportunity also is meeting your consumers where they are rather than you know, assuming, you know, okay, on this new platform or what social media. And so really honing in positioning. And so positioning is really truly meeting them where they are. And so if they are on LinkedIn or if they are on Twitter, you know, engage in that community, they may not be on all different platforms, um, you know, in that mindset. And so meeting them where they are and providing that community where they are rather than just where you are is, you know, is hard to accept that, but that's really where that's going to engage more of that community, uh, meeting them where they are. Yeah. And I think to, to refine that a little bit, at least in my mind, it makes it a little clearer is like, who is your ideal customer? Like, what is their profile? Like figure out where they are and then go meet them there. That's what Michelle's trying to say. It's like, if you don't know where your people hang out and like what they like to do, you're literally just throwing darts at a wall and hoping something sticks. Right. Once you understand where they're at, then you can go to what Michelle's saying is like, then you can go meet them on Twitter. You can go meet them on Instagram, you know, Facebook, Continue whatever. Continue the conversation. Exactly. Continue the conversation. On the C conversation, Michelle, what is your third and final must do on the seven C's list? All right. So, yes, I picked the convert to conversation because this is something where I am seeing more and more organizers accept, you know, it's not just a a numbers game. We hear that all the time. And, oh, when one way to market your event is how many registrations, how many speakers, how many sessions. So you may hear something like we, we get, you know, 5,000 people and we have 75 sessions and we have, you know, 50 plus industry speakers. That is one way to market. Right. But then on the contributor side, on the sponsors and exhibitors, when I'm speaking to them, they tell me, Michelle, I don't care if there's 5,000 people. I want to have five quality connections when I leave this conference. Or they may say, uh, you know, on the marketing side, I see this all the time on the sponsors. You get an email blast to our entire database. My clientele, they're saying, I don't care about your entire database. <laughs> How many residents can you get me in front of? A great example on this is I was working with a clientele and we raised over six figures in the virtual world going in, you know, converting their um, deliverables. And we were talking to a prospective uh, contributor and they said how many professors that teach marketing can you get us in front of and they didn't quite have a clear answer and they said can you get us in front of 50 and the answer was no and they we went back to the green room and, and kind of looked at the database ultimately they did not care how many other people if there are deans other decision makers they only want it specifically the segment and so how can we help to increase ideal conversations so the connections to conversations rather than it's more effort and actually coming from let's say demand generation lead generation authority mm-hmm. They're kicking tires. They don't want to kick tires. They don't want to filter through something that we do as conference concierge. We actually help our clients going into the events, vetting the events. Let's say that there are 2,000 booths. 
I'll make it easy. 200 boosts. It doesn't even have to be all that many. We analyze and we help them determine out of that, those amount of companies, what's the percent? Typically we, we strive for 15%, 15 to 20%. We don't need to meet all hundred. We're not going to meet a hundred percent of the attendees. So what segments do they actually want to get in front of? How can we as organizers help to segment and say, why, what is the intention? Intention is the number one alignment factor events provide because people show up with intention. You don't get on Netflix and Facebook, you know, to go through the ads, right? You get interrupted. <laughs> people show up to events with intention. They are there, right. they're taking the time. They want to be there. See how passionate I get about this topic. And so if we can help to align that intention, are they there for exchange of education? Are they there for exchange of peer to peer thoughts and ideas? Are they there for prospecting? No fault in that. Are they there for networking and prospecting are two different activities. And so how can we convert the conversation and how we can do this in your activations? They want more touch points. How can we accelerate that trust, that client acquisition? So rather than saying one email blast or even three email blasts, I'll give you, you know, credit there to everyone, help them understand, Hey, 20% of our registration is ideal of who you want to speak to. So we're going to help craft an activation towards that 20%. And this is how we can do it. The contributors will be much happier because you're helping them sift through, cut through the noise and getting them ideally in front of with the messaging that aligns. And you can do this by segmentation. You can understand where are your attendees and your buyers along their customer journey, what's their intention, why are they showing up, and then align with why your sponsors and contributors and speakers are showing up. And so if they, if they're just coming to the conference and they're in information stage, then we don't need to be pitching to them because we're not there yet or help them through that phase. Who are they? Who are they looking to get in front of and getting that message right in front of them and help them? They want a higher conversion rate. They would much rather, you know, 50 people in their workshop and actually resonate with them rather than 5,000 people in their workshop and only connect with two to three percent. Yeah. Yeah. There's I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's great. But I, I want to break this down for organizers here and just anybody listening, like how do we get there? Right? So to do what Michelle is talking about, which is fantastic. There's a couple steps we need to take, but in here, if, if you want to correct me at all, but from what I'm hearing is you have to know who the heck's showing up to your event, right? Like you can't say I have 50 directors of marketing coming to my event. If you don't ask the question to your attendee, to your uh, ticket purchasers, right? So step number one, you need to be asking the right questions at, the point of ticket purchase. Hey, what is your role? I don't know. What's your zip code? Like what company do you work for? What's your company size? Like, I can't tell you what questions to ask. You should probably just ask your, your contributors like, Hey, what the heck do you care about? And I'm going to ask these questions and I have this data that we can then take back to everybody else. That's like step number one. You got to know who the heck's showing up and what their roles are as it pertains to your kind of community in that group. Two, Kind of what Michelle's getting into here too is like the the money is kind of like the niche of it too, right? Like if you can show that hey, 
I can get you into 50 directors of marketing or whoever. Like people are willing to pay more to get exactly what they want compared to like 95% of crap they don't care about and only 5% that they do care about. It's like if you can show them, yes, I can give you exactly what you want. People are willing to pay for like exactly what they want. Like you are solving a pain point for them. People pay to solve pain. So that's the other thing is like you have to spend the time. It sucks. Sorry. But you have to spend that time to like get to the gold of what your community members want. Anything else I missed on kind of like how folks can get there? Yeah, and creating um, really those touch points that already align with your or your marketing plan. Um, and then I will leave off with, like you said, they will spend more money if they're getting in front of who they want to and how they want to, how they show up best. So a great question. I heard this a lot, especially, you know, early COVID is, oh, we don't have an event budget. It's not necessarily that they don't have an event budget. It's just being reallocated differently. So a great question organizers can ask is what's already working for you? Well, we do webinars. So asking them, how do you attract your clients? How do you convert them to conversation? Events are just the platform. So asking them and say, well, we do extremely well when we can do social media and that drives them back to our white paper that drives them into a webinar series. Oh, fancy that. Guess what? We are doing that to promote our event, for an example, Right. right? So asking them because they will pay more money if you can save them time, get them exactly where and who they want to be in front of in the mediums that are already working rather than uh, creating more content. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. Help them bridge the gap with already what's working. Hey, do you already have you know a 30 second demo message? Do you already have something like what's already working for you? And how can we integrate that already with our event? That's going to help alleviate creating a whole nother project when their marketing team, when their lead generation, when their demand generation, their sales teams are already in progress with other other projects. Events are just a way to expand what they're already doing well in front of your audience. Yeah. Yeah. I loved every minute of this episode. We absolutely blew through our time, Michelle, and it is gold every second. This is fantastic. I absolutely cannot thank you enough for joining us on this episode of Event Academy Live. If you had one thing and one thing only to tell an event organizer to change or do better, what would that one thing be? Engage with your contributors throughout the year so that it's not a roller coaster effect is really build those relationships early on and ongoing over and over and over again, because you're not the only event that they're seeking out. So how can you build that throughout the year and not just a one time, Hey, we're having the event. Don't want to stop again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Come again. Um, yeah. So just build, you know, consistency is better than frequency. So being consistent rather than, you know, find that, that cadence, find that flow, um, and just be consistent and engage with them. And, and that way, you know, too, who's relevant, you know what they're up to so that you can help craft, uh, 
you know, because you already know what they're, they're looking for and build that uh, relationship deeper beyond your own event. Yeah. Absolutely love it, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This is jam-packed full of how the heck do we make all of our stakeholders at our events happy, accomplish all of our goals together, and how are we going to be better together going forward in the new wave of events post-COVID? I don't even want to use that word anymore, but I feel like I just had to. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Until then, keep leveling up, fellow event organizers. Thank you for listening to the Event Academy Live Podcast. This show is powered by Fusion. Event solutions for the modern event organizer. Don't forget to like, rate, and review. We hope you enjoyed the show. Until next week, keep leveling up, fellow event organizers.